Now back to the Pete McMurray Show. Here's Pete and Lisa. Amy, what you want to do? I think I could stay with you for a while. Morin is a psychotherapist. She is editor-in-chief of Very Well Mind and the host of the Very Well Mind podcast. Let's welcome back to the show. It is Amy Morin. How are you? How was your winter? Um, I'm doing great, and I have to say my winter was good since I'm in South Florida. No offense. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a pretty mild winter up north, so everyone seems to kind of be in a good mood. That's great to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Two things. Number one, sad. Is it over? Seasonal affective disorder. I think it depends. (laughs) For a lot of people, now that the days are longer, they're starting to feel better. But until until the weather's really warm enough to get outside and people are getting sunlight, I think it's going to linger for a little longer for people who maybe still aren't getting outside as much as they might in midsummer. Let's go over to Lisa and see how she's feeling today. Lisa, how are you feeling? Um... I mean, I think she's right. There's just not enough sun yet for sad to be over. So even though the temperature is mild, it's still kind of dreary. Like my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Amy, what is it with this weather? I don't know what it was, but last week I was so crabby every single day, and I just could not connect with my wife. Just couldn't. Well, you know, when, again, when March rolls around in our heads, we think, okay, it's spring, and we start to think about like, the Easter holiday, which is usually associated with warmer weather, things like that. But I know from living in the Northeast myself for most of my life, it's also just tiresome this time of year when there's snow or it's still kind of muddy or you can't get outside and do certain things. There's like this lingering frustration where we expect things to be better, but then our feelings don't quite match up with our expectation, and then we feel even worse. Oh, boy. You sent us a stat before uh, we had you on today. Divorce rates peak in March. Why is that? We think it's because a lot of couples work hard to get through the holidays and decide, okay, we're going to make it through to uh, Christmas or New Year's. And then the New Year rolls around and things just kind of start to unravel where they think, all right, and with the idea of spring comes the idea of spring cleaning and for some people it means i'm going to have a fresh start with my entire life and people do start applying for divorce this time of year they start talking about it more and they're more likely to break up uh, this time of year than almost any other time the rule in college was always break up with your girlfriend before valentine's day (laughs) yes there is something about valentine's day a couple often either stick together just so that they aren't alone on Valentine's Day or they break up because they don't want to buy the other person an expensive gift. (laughs) Do you think it's also because people uh, still adhere to that idea of cuffing season where you cuff yourself to someone for the cold, dark months and now spring is here, you can get rid of them and find something new? Yeah, that certainly has a lot to do with it, I think, where people are just looking for you know, something to do in the winter. And you find somebody and you're like, all right, now I can have somebody to watch TV with on the couch in the cold, dark evenings, or I have something to do and I don't have to worry about it. But when summer rolls around, people want to get out. They want to go do things. And a lot of people think part of that is I also want to meet some new people. Right. We're talking with uh, Amy Morin. She's a psychotherapist. I guess uh, now would be a good time to talk about couples therapy since... You know, we're right in the middle of it. Um, people are getting divorced. People are arguing right now. What do they do? How do they approach couples therapy? 
We did a survey over at Very Well Mind to ask a lot of those questions. Like, what are people thinking who are in couples therapy? Do they find it helpful? To my surprise, 99% of people said they found it helpful. I expected it to be a high number, but I didn't expect it to be quite that high. 99? Right? That seems astronomical. But out of those people, a lot of them said that, you know, one in three people said I'd recommend it to somebody else. And a lot of people said said that uh, they wish they had gone sooner. They thought that people shouldn't wait until uh-huh. things get really bad to go to therapy. But a lot of couples admitted, we waited too long. We should have gone sooner. Do we know of people heading into couples therapy? It seems to me that most couples want the same thing. They just say it in different ways. And the language use is so... It, it hits people in a certain way and they can't see past the words to the actual idea. Is this a common phenomenon? You're absolutely right that quite often people have the same goal underneath, but it gets expressed differently. So one person might complain that the other person doesn't help enough and the other person's concerned that the other person nags too much or they take things too seriously, but they can't really sit down and have a honest and open conversation because they get uh, accusatory or defensive. That's where couples therapy often comes in to say, okay, what's our common ground here and how can we work on these issues that we aren't fighting or name-calling or resorting to our same old unhealthy habits. Isn't it the love languages? Lisa, we've talked about this before. How many are there? There's five, right? The love languages? Yes, there are. And there's been a lot of research behind it showing that just having a better understanding of your partner and how they receive love, whether it's giving them physical gifts or doing acts of service, but really understanding what causes your partner to feel loved can be really quite key to having a healthy long-term relationship. Yeah. I mean, I was more thinking of, of in terms of like, well, I call the meal in the middle of the day brunch and I say, we need to have brunch with your mother. And you think that that meal is called lunch. So we keep fighting over whether we're having brunch or lunch, but we both mean the same thing, oh a meal oh, in the I... middle of the day with our mother. You know what I mean? It's like those things where we all have a definition for a word or an action, and our definitions don't always match someone else's, and it can just cause a lot of friction. Well, males and females, they both have different languages. And there are a lot of misunderstandings about just that, that if somebody says, like, I thought you were going to clean the house today, and the other person says, I did, well, it doesn't meet the other person's definition of clean. So then it leads right. to this lengthy argument of, you know, you're lazy, you didn't pitch in, and the other person's like, no, I just spent 20 minutes picking up. What did you expect me to do? So part of what we often do in couples therapy is just work on how do you talk about your expectations so that everybody's on the same page ahead of time. Life is all about managing expectations, isn't it? It definitely is. And just knowing sometimes we set ourselves up for failure when our expectations are unreasonably high. Mm-hmm. And at other times we keep our expectations so low that we don't see a great opportunity when it comes along. So just learning how do you adjust those expectations based on reality? How do you set them high enough without setting the bar way too high? What if one person doesn't want to go to therapy or you can't even approach your partner about it? How do you get them involved in couples therapy? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. So we know that if just one person goes to therapy, they can usually make a huge difference in the relationship. So I always tell people, if your partner won't go, just go by yourself. And sometimes the other person will eventually go because they're like, wait, what? You're talking about me to this person? I want to go weigh in on it, too. So sometimes that lowers people in. But at other times, one partner just has absolutely no interest. But the person who goes find some changes that they can make at home. And the relationship's like a dance. When you change your steps, the other person changes theirs automatically. So sometimes just figuring out how do you change your own behavior 
in a way that it will shift the relationship dynamics is all that it takes. I like that. Is it like going to a chiropractor? There's no end game. <laughs> Good question There's too. End game. <laughs> Some people go and they go for like three or four sessions. They just are like, "Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. What do you think?" Other people are in therapy for years, where they really want to take a deep dive into certain things, maybe childhood trauma or how their family of origins affecting their relationship now. And it does take a lot longer, but it kind of depends on what the person wants and what type of therapy they decide to get. Sometimes I don't know how to speak to my wife. There's certain Uh days where I think to myself, I'm speaking English, she's speaking French, or vice versa. We just don't connect. Yeah, go ahead, Lisa. What if? Yeah. You just, instead of shutting off when she says something and you don't understand where she's coming from, how do you what know you I do that? just try to be curious? <laughs> how do you know I do that? Because every oh, guy does that on the planet? <laughs> yes. Because at a certain point, you, you think we're being ridiculous or oversensitive, yes. and then you guys just shut off instead yes. of trying to understand it's, where we're coming well, from. Well, we just need a break, and we feel like uh, this is how we treat male relationships. If you go away and come back, everything's fine. and it's true that often we just want to be heard and if the other person can say yeah i understand how you feel that must be really frustrating that feels a lot better than getting the advice where somebody says you should just tell your boss that you're not going to do that anymore and you're on the other end thinking yeah but that's not an option or i can't do that and here's why and when we feel like we're not heard it often causes us to try to explain it in a different way or to say it three different ways if we can And the more we feel like we're not heard, sometimes the more we keep chattering and then it just ends up in this unhealthy pattern. So it's really important for couples to learn how do you listen to each other? And listening isn't just staying quiet, but it's about reflecting back what you hear and validating somebody's feelings. And you don't have to agree with how they feel to validate it. You could say, I think you look really stressed right now, not this is incredibly stressful. But when people feel validated, they often feel a lot less alone and they feel understood. And that tends to cause us to feel a lot better. Is it useful to maybe approach, whether it's a partner, a friend, a coworker, and say, do you have the capacity to talk about this right now? And if they say no, find a time where then that person doesn't feel like you just approach them with a wall of stress or chaos or whatever, and that they have time and space to accept it. And then maybe everyone's a little less frustrated. Oh, I love that idea because we've all been on the receiving end of that when you have about 10 minutes in between two different tasks and somebody comes to you with a huge issue and they start talking and you don't want to be rude and cut them off. But on the other hand, you just may not have the capacity to deal with it right now due to either a time constraint or also you're emotionally overloaded from everything else going on. So I love that idea of asking somebody first, hey, are you in a place where you can hear this? And if so, let's talk. If not, that's okay too. Believe it or not, I started doing this with my wife about two years ago. Hey, and? we need to talk business. Tell me when a good time when you can talk. And it seems to be working out on some days. Good. Right. So it's not like, you know, 11 in the morning, I got to throw this, this, and this at you. Hey, can we talk this afternoon at four o'clock? I love that idea because, again, we know how stressful that is when somebody tries to unload something on you and you're just not in a space to hear it and that Mm -hmm. often leads to a lot of disagreement so to just start with that like okay i have something important to talk about i'm gonna talk about that now or should we talk about it later and then you feel like your time's valued too and somebody says gee i can tell how important this is to you but i can't talk about it right now i want to wait till i have 
am able to give you my undivided attention. Let's do that later. And oh, okay, we're just we're not putting it off altogether. We're just putting off until later. But you know, you can come back and have an opportunity to really sit down and talk about it. That's so important. Amy, we have about 45 seconds left. Um, Let's talk about my relationship with uh, Lisa, my at-work wife. Uh, Is there any advice that you can give me to communicate better with her? You know, I think just having uh, open conversations when you're annoyed, it's okay to talk about feelings or just say, I'm going to work on this. (laughs) Oh, she's very open with me. Very, very open. Listen. (laughs) And I think that's okay sometimes to to be able to say, you know, I'm struggling and to not take everything personally, too. When we have things going on at home, it spills over into work. And sometimes our frustrations or our feelings at work have nothing to do with our coworkers. It might not have to do with our coworker, but with the sheer volume of one sentence emails they send you in a day. (laughs) I do not take anything you say to me personally. You're very direct, and I like that. I know at the end of the day that we still love each other, but some days you hate my guts like at noon. (laughs) So funny. Uh, Amy Morin, psychotherapist. Amy, thanks for your time. Where can people find you? Uh, My website is Amy Morin, LCSW, is in licensedclinicalsocialworker.com, or you can find me over at verywellmind.com as well. You're the best. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.